Just the Southside's own Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So Jake Bentley chased and dropped the 15-yard line. Roquan, the chef, Smith. <laughs> Roquan Smith, he's the highlight show of this defense. In the ring, steve got him up. A slam. Jonathan Hood, weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Number two, it's Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm Chris Black with Jonathan Hood. You can follow us on Twitter at TweetJHood and at Chris Black. We are live from the First Midwest Bank Studios on State Street in downtown Chicago. We are here till 9 o'clock tonight. We are open for business and your phone calls at 312-332-3776. Or you can tweet at us on Twitter. We'll get back to you throughout the show. Lots to do this hour. We will have Tales from the Hood in 25 minutes. I've got a question uh, for you, Jonathan, about the college football playoff. And I know the season hasn't even started, but we'll talk a little college football in 15 minutes right here on ESPN 1000. But we start this hour with this. Is the preseason in the NFL going extinct? Is this going to be the last of what we see from the NFL's preseason as we know it? Well, no. That's not going anywhere anytime soon, even though... There are some that look at the preseason and say, well, why the preseason? And it means nothing. It means something to players that want to be able to get onto a roster. That's for sure. It really is the ultimate last chance you. Now, maybe that's not great television for you. And if you're a season ticket holder like yourself, that's not necessarily entertaining. But, Chris, I will tell you that if you are looking to eliminate the preseason, that means that there's going to be more regular season games. And that means if you got rid of all the preseason, that means 20 regular season games. And I don't think the players are ready for that. And let's take a step back from what we saw last night. Of course, we don't think the preseason is as exciting as it once was, perhaps. Or maybe you're someone who loves the NFL and you've known for years that the preseason is garbage, right? And that you don't care about players who are not the stars from their teams not suiting up and playing. Uh, What we saw last night between the Raiders and the Packers and the fact that they had an issue with the field up in Canada in Winnipeg and they had to shorten the field to an 80-yard field to complete that preseason game is another feather in the cap to point towards how this is all just ridiculous. And that's where you get people talking this morning and today about the idea of why don't we do away with the preseason overall in the NFL. The one thing that you'd have to then respond with that is what do you do about revenue? Because if you say we are going to eliminate two home games from the schedule for each team, you're going to have to make up those dollars somewhere, right? Right. So how do we do that? That means that it's going to be 18 regular season games and two preseason games. Because either way, the owners want to be able to have their home game. They would like to have two, 
no matter how bad the football is. But the way to be able to get around that is that means you, you have to add two more regular season games. And that also means you got to pay through the nose to the players. The players would really have to collectively bargain that and get their money's worth. Now, like the last CBA they, where they said, oh, wait, I'm broke, I'll sign anything. No, no, guaranteed money, and all that stuff, right? That was a horrible CBA that they signed. So if, there, if there's going to be more NFL games, then that's completely con- uh, contradictory to where the NFL talks about safety, right? Because you know it's all about the bottom line. Roger Goodell talks about safety and talks about the helmets and changing and all this stuff. But if you add two more games, you're not really into the safety. You're into the money. I think you and I both know that. But but here's the thing about the, the preseason. The preseason, no matter if it's two games, four games, or back in the day, six or eight games, is still not going to draw. It's not going to be interesting. It does whet the appetite, I think, of some fans, though, right? Because, say, for instance, you can't get to a regular season game. There's going to be some seats available for you to go to preseason games. So it it doesn't matter if it's not pleasing to you. There's still value for fans to finally be able to go to the stadium. If they can only go one time, they can only go in the preseason. The other thing, too, is, is that if you think that just practicing at your facility is good enough, good enough practice to get you ready for the season, then go ahead. I don't believe that because you're hitting your own guys more times than not. Unless you legislate and mandate that you must take on another team at your practice facility. That's the only way because hitting your own guys is not good enough and doesn't get you ready for the season, I don't believe. Well, it's an interesting thought process because if you look at the way uh, football players grow up throughout their lives, high school, you start with week one. College football, we're at week zero, and Florida and Miami tomorrow night, yeah. they have no preseason game. They're going to play for keeps tomorrow. Right. And if Florida loses, there goes their dreams of winning their division in the SEC and their their hopes to have a great season. So, you know, I, I understand. Like, like, here's where I think it's interesting as Bears fans. I don't think you could talk to anyone who would say that Mitch Trubisky does not need more development. Right? We can all agree he needs more time to develop. But I think we can all also agree that that time is not in the preseason. So, like, we all agree that there there is practice needed for these players, yet it's not in the preseason. Right? Then, like, then like, when it, where is it then? Well, and, and that's where you look at the way you're, you're suggesting an 18-game schedule, and it goes back to the money, like you said before, and the owners are going to have to pay. Because right now, players make money based on 16 games, or so the... The owner is willing to eliminate the preseason games with the assumption that you are now going to get that money back in the additional regular season games. Thus, you are also going to have to pay more to your top-level players in the National Football League. I feel like that's a lot of moving money to just think that that, that the owners will be okay with that. I think they're all about us, right? So they want to... They want to continue the supplemental income of the preseason games, plus not paying the players more because that's not something that they want to do. Well, here's the thing that you got to know, Chris. Uh, They've got it. Oh, they certainly do. They got it. So so you, if you are an NFL owner, yes, you're going to be losing a little money off the top, but you'll get it back in revenue and revenue sharing television, everything else. So when you're a millionaire, what do you like? You like money because you want to be add to those millions, right? Once you're a millionaire, you want more. I get that but you're going to have two regular season games added instead of two exhibition games i think that the owners will be all for it but it's got to be at the price for the players association it's got to be at the right price for this and 
And another reason for this, another layer to this is injuries, right? We hear it way too often now. Everybody's got to be wrapped in, in bubble wrap. If it's late in the season, you've already clinched your division, don't go out there because you can get hurt. Don't play in the preseason because you can go get hurt. We understand the story of Cam Newton yesterday. Cam Newton did get hurt, but that could have happened in week one, week two. It happened in the preseason. I have no problem with starters playing at least a series or two because it gets them acclimated to the team. I have no problem with that. However, if there's going to be extra games in a regular season, keep in mind that those guys can get hurt in those games too. So it's got to be a push and pull, right? Life's a negotiation. That's how I got married. Life's a negotiation, right? It's all about two games in the regular in the preseason, adding two more in the regular season, and also saying at the same time, yeah, you know what, injuries and, and head trauma and all that stuff, that really doesn't matter when you want more money, more TV revenue for having two more uh, regular season games. That's Jonathan Hood. I'm Chris Black here on Under the Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. This morning on Get Up on ESPN, Adam Schefter talked about the fact that the preseason will most likely be shortened next year. The preseason this summer has become more obsolete than ever before. And when they sit down to do these new CBA talks, they're going to have to address this. There's no way they're going to leave the preseason at four games. The question is, is it reduced to two? Is it reduced to one? Is it reduced to none, like in college, where there's no preseason at all? What, what do you sense, Shefty, from the people you talk to, that the, the people actually involved in the football side of this lean toward? I understand what the owners may have as a consideration, what Park Avenue may think. But as far as coaches and people like that, what do they want the preseason to become? Well, I think the NFL would like it to lean more towards what could generate the most revenue. Let's be honest. So if that means expanding the regular season by a week or two, if that means expanding the playoff field to where seven teams in each conference make the playoffs and they add on an extra playoff week and that makes up for some of the revenue that's lost for getting rid of the preseason games, then so be it. This is going to be a money decision. It's going to be driven by money in the end. But I think we all can watch the preseason, and see, there's really no use to it anymore. Now, again, the guys on the bottom of the roster that are fighting for roster spots would rail against what we're saying because this is a chance for players who have grown up playing the sport to try to achieve a dream, to realize that dream, that they are on the outside looking in. And sometimes somebody makes an impact in training camp, like a Victor Cruz comes out of nowhere, wins a roster spot, becomes a star, makes big money, and that's the chance that that guy's waited for his whole life. So that exists. That's Adam Schefter from Get Up This Morning. Uh, <laughs> well, key- well, not Victor Cruz. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, well, Victor <laughs> Cruz was on the set, so I think Schefter was trying oh. to to make a reference to Victor Cruz as uh, they were doing the television show. <laughs> that you mean Victor Cruz the bear. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Akeem Hicks talked to Waddle and Sylvie yesterday, and they asked him, is it weird not to play in the preseason? Here's Bears defensive tackle, Akeem Hicks. I can't say that it's weird. I, I would say that uh, it's, a, it's a technique for, for getting prepared for the season and, and approaching it in the uh, the healthiest and, and, and most efficient way possible. Uh, I, I really appreciate the fact that uh, we're, we're focused on making sure that guys can uh, get to the uh, get to the season. Do you think it's easier for a defender like yourself versus maybe some offensive guys to be ready to go when the regular season begins maybe a little quicker? Well, well mind you, I, I would say this first, that you know we're going – to get our reps, you know. Right. Now, now whether you see us in 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 action, you know, on the uh, the actual night of the game uh, during the course of the week, we're getting uh, 
great deal of, of extra reps to make sure that we're prepared. So uh, it's it, there's not going to be a lot missed, man. But I, I really feel like it, it's up to us uh, as the players to approach it, you know, in the proper way and make sure that either we're getting our mental rep or, or we're getting that actual work that we need, you know, and whatever it takes for us to get to that place where we need to be to perform during the season. That's Akeem Hicks on with Waddle and Sylvie. So, Jonathan, with Akeem Hicks saying that they get their reps in practice, right. is that good enough for you as a team heads into the season for you to feel comfortable that they're ready to go and they won't be rusty week one? I'm not at, I'm not at House Hall, right? We're right. not at House Hall, so how, how do we know? He says that they're going to be ready, so we got to take their word for it. Now, here's when we evaluate. We evaluate when they when the bell rings and they're on the field. That's all we can do. I mean, listen, it's not the traditional way that you and I know football. We've known football, and there's older people, older than us, that remember that there was more than four preseason games, six preseason, preseason games, to get themselves ready. If, it, if he feels like he doesn't need to be out there for preseason, it feels like when the game starts against the Packers on the 5th of September that they'll be ready, then they'll be ready. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. It's not what you and I are used to, but more and more, you, even in your career, you've said this, this phrase, because I've said it many times. You've said this too. The third preseason game will tell you all you need to know if the team's ready. <laughs> yeah. Right? How many? Yeah. Uh, you, we, we've That's both said That's in radio, radio show host bingo for uh, the summer heading into the, the football season. Yep. It was, it's, it's been ingrained in us for a long time yeah. that, boy, when you get that third preseason game, that tells you if the team's ready because. Measuring stick. Because yeah. now the starters will be out there for half. <laughs> and, and, right. and so, but you don't get that now in 2019 because even the third preseason game doesn't mean anything. You, know, you don't see the starters out there. Here and there, you're seeing starters out there for a series or two. If you're a bad football team like Arizona, you've seen Kyler Murray out there. Baker Mayfield played uh, in the game against the Browns for a series or two. So you get it here and there. It all depends on the team, I would suppose. I feel like we've all outgrown the just traditions of getting ready for a football season Mm -hmm. i feel like the teams have outgrown it i feel like us fans have outgrown the way people prepare teams prepare for an nfl season it's almost one of those things we get to midsummer and we just say we're all ready you know i i feel like there's also something else at play here where the baseball season used to capture the national sports interest throughout the end of the summer and that training camp was like the afterthought And in the last 10 to 15 years, training camp in the NFL has become the number one thing of the summer after NBA free agency. So we're all ready to go the moment it starts. Where it used to be, the traditions of the past were, well, we've got baseball. We'll settle in. We'll lay in a hammock, have some sweet tea, and listen to a baseball game on the radio. (laughs) But now, the way it works now is we're all sitting on the edge of our seat for week one of the preseason saying... Come on, let's go. Let's get to the real football here. We're ready for this. Well, here's the thing. If starters played in the in the preseason, if starters did play... You'd be ready. Well, well, here's the thing. If starters played in the preseason, here's three things we wouldn't be talking about so much. We wouldn't be talking about the, the Antonio Brown and the helmet grievance. We wouldn't be talking so much about the Dallas Cowboys and whether or not Zeke Elliott's going to come back from Cabo anytime soon. <laughs> I'd just stay there. Those are are two stories we wouldn't talk about. Also, we wouldn't be talking about um, Kenny Stills and the Miami Dolphins and whether or not you should play an entire set of Jay-Z songs to try to get into Kenny Stills' head if you're Brian Flores. These are are the stories we've been talking about. That's why why I was talking to you about this earlier. There is more pettiness now in the NFL than we've ever had. You know why? Because starters are not playing. Yeah. See, see, we would usually just analyze (laughs) the football like, hey, you know what? Baker 
Baker look good. You know, Kyler Murray, I me mean, tell you, we, that would be our conversation, right? But all summer, especially for me on the national end, is Zeke coming back? Yes, maybe, no. Is Zeke coming back? Yes, maybe, no. Is Brian Flores, is he unfair for playing an entire set of Jay-Z for Kenny Stills? Yes, maybe, no. We've been doing this for months now. But if the, if, but if the starters played, we talk more about football. Now the NFL's morphed into the NBA. Well, you're right. And, and it's because the players are not focused themselves because they're waiting for the start of the season, right? Like, it reminds me of the high school kid, right, with all the potential, but he's slacking off. Well, he's not focused, right? Right. That's what the preseason is. All this pettiness, all this nonsense going on that's not actual football games, it's because they are not focused on the goal. And, yes, they are working hard with their teams to try and get ready for the season. But if there were games each and every week that they had to play, you wouldn't see the storylines that we're talking about right now. Can I throw a half <laughs> baked idea to you and just you can just either tell me it's a terrible idea or you can give me um some uh, help on this idea Hmm. when it comes to the preseason because i don't need more than 16 regular season games i feel like 16 regular season football games is the perfect amount of football before we get to the playoffs i think it tells us who the playoff teams are i i don't think many years we get into a discrepancy on a team that missed out i think the champion is usually one of the two or three best teams in the National Football League. I think 16 games accomplishes the goal that we need from football. And I also don't need football the season going into March. Okay, so I think 16 games is fine. To solve this preseason problem, what if they did this? What if you had to declare your 22 starters? You had to declare your 22 starters And those players are now not allowed to be used in the preseason. You declare before the preseason, this is my starting lineup. These players have to be the starters as we go into week one. Okay. Then you play the preseason games with the rest of the roster. And if you get a win, you get a half point towards the uh, win total. A half point. So a a preseason win is a half point. If you get two preseason wins, that's a full point. So you're playing real games that have real weight towards the standings at the end of the season, but you're using everyone on the roster other than the 22 starters that you declared, and thus you are not uh, injuring your your star quarterbacks, the moneymakers for the league. You're not putting in danger maybe your entire season by having a Khalil Mack on the field to get injured right. because he was declared he's not playing in these games. And it's kind of like a starter jv type of thing to add some interest into these preseason games because they're not going to go down to zero there's not going to be no preseason games so you can have some worth in these preseason games is that a uh, terrible idea so you're going to ask um mac mcdonald outside of your local mcdonald's (laughs) with a squeegee and a tin can to be able to help you through because Mac McDonald got cut from that team. You're asking guys that are not going to probably not be on your football team to help you through yeah. so you can get a half point or a point. Now, now, if you're someone that's like, I don't need the preseason at all, you could just mail it all in. Give up all the, the half points. Why not? But if you're a team like Belichick, you better believe Belichick's going to scheme and get two points out of that preseason. He already is. He's, he's right? 3-0 in the preseason. See? Okay. And then there you go. That's my point. You know that the smart teams are going to scheme it, and then they're going to find a way to, to accomplish uh, something in the preseason to move it towards the, the standings. So are the Raiders, by the way. So are the Raiders. <laughs> It's amazing. 
Chris Black and Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Let's switch to this, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> it's so ridiculous. A half point. Well, I mean, is it really that bad of an idea? If you have to declare your starters, so, so you're not using any of the star quarterbacks, people would still watch it. People are watching these preseason games. Yeah. They're just not going. Wouldn't you be more inclined to go to a preseason game if you know it had some weight behind it? I would not know, but I know that there's some people that would. Keep in mind, by the way, how about this smart guy? How about yeah, this? Yeah. You realize that if you have if you have a good season, that the two the last two regular season games and an 18-game schedule won't count anyway or won't matter? If you've clinched through the first 16, you're going to have backups out there anyway because you want to rest your starters into the playoffs. So either way, even if it's preseason or if it's the last two games of regular season, those two games, they're not going to be starters anyway, especially if you've clinched through the first 16 games. But how many teams can get to that point? A number, you know, like, a number that, of Patriots. That, that's a rare error of teams that can clinch before you get to the final two weeks of the season. Well, hold on. Each but, season but, you get a handful, but that's not the majority of the league. Wait, Chris, you, you're already doing that in six, with 16. You, you're seeing right. teams clinch it in week 14. Yeah, sure. But like, how many teams each season do that? Like two, three? Yeah. It's not the majority of the league. No, though. no. It's just the, yeah. like the, the, the best of the best. Sure. So... Yeah, you Kansas City, you get the the Rams, maybe the Patriots as well. Chris Black, Jonathan Hood here on ESPN One Thousand and the ESPN app. Oh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Play your little uh, your little segue sounder there. Your little, hey, hey, there we go from uh, Super Mario World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your little segue. It's, uh, it's actually the pause button. Okay. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. I, I interrupted uh, your. Well, I mean, uh, it, it doesn't matter now. I gave moment. you the half baked <laughs> idea. It kind of threw us all off. You know, we, it's just kind of how it works. The moment has passed. I'm sorry to interrupt your little kitty sounder you play on Friday night when I'm driving to dinner. Yeah. Well, it's, it's Super Mario World. You know, I'm trying to relate to those who grew up in the '90s. You know how it works. Yeah. You were saying. That, yes, yes. Uh, coming up next, we have Tales from the Hood, Jonathan. Well, you, well, you can't segue to that. Just get your story out there. Well, no, I was going to ask you about the college football playoff and the teams that we're looking at here setting uh, up week zero and into the first week next weekend and what teams you think are going to be standing there at the end when we get to the end of the college football season. Well, okay, well, you just can't just segue into another another uh, segment here, kid. Here's, here's well, you, just go ahead and finish it up. It's well, fine. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the answer. I mean, why, you asked me a question, and you're already at tails. We don't have the clock discipline on this show. I don't know well, if you know. That's what I've uh, come to realize. Yeah, we, I mean, yes. we, we have our own clock here. Uh, so, so it's fine. So let me answer the question, and so you may get yours. So I, I will say that it's Clemson. Okay. I'll say it's Alabama. Got it. I'll say it's Georgia. Okay. And I'll say it is Oklahoma. Interesting. I agree with you on Clemson and Alabama. I think that's where uh, the differ is going to come with Michigan. I think Michigan has an opportunity this season to run the table. Well, if they and, don't. Well, if they don't, then there's going to be problems in Ann Arbor. Uh, and I think what's going to happen is... As the season goes along, there's going to be three major storylines. It's going to be the two that are the best two teams in the country, Clemson and Alabama. We all know this heading into the year. Um, Number three, I think, is going to be Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines and whether or not they can finally break through. And that's going to be the storyline that everyone's going to watch. And if they can have a season like Notre Dame had last year, remember Notre Dame coming into the year, we kept saying that as long as they just keep winning, they're going to find their way into the the national, uh, the college football playoff because 
of the story behind Notre Dame to get there. Right. I think the same thing's going to happen with Michigan. If you have Michigan and Oklahoma side-by-side resume-wise, same record, I think Michigan is going to be that team that people are going to look to this year. So they're going to get past Notre Dame yeah. in the big house, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Wow. Because uh, other than that, because that schedule is so soft. Right. Soft. Exactly. Middle Tennessee Army, the Wisconsin game at uh, in Madison – Rutgers is a win. Iowa, interesting, not 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 uh, soft, but interesting. Ooh, I, I I don't like Iowa at all this year. Oh, Kirk Ferentz, he's going to be the NFL coach one day. You know, yeah, one day. <laughs> You've been hearing that since high school, right? <laughs> yeah. um, so um, Illinois is a win. Penn State, Notre Dame at Maryland is a win. Michigan State always tough because it's their number one rival. God, it just their number one rival in the state of Michigan, right? And then uh, Indiana against Ohio State. So two games I question, the Ohio State game and against Notre Dame on the 26th, because I don't think that that is a guarantee there. Okay, so the other teams that I think, and we can add Oklahoma to this grouping, but I think then the group that we're going to watch all season long will be Georgia, LSU, Florida, and Utah. As with, With Oklahoma as well. As the teams on the outside trying to get into that fourth playoff spot throughout the year. Because Utah, if you look at their schedule, what's going to happen? This team is probably going to go 11-1 or 12-0 in a soft Pac-12 this year. And they're going to be on the outside as that little team on the outside chirping all year. Yeah, but we're undefeated. Yeah, but we're undefeated. Yeah. Look at us. Power five, undefeated. They're gonna be Here the, we are. Power gonna, five. They're going to be in a UCF spot. Yes. And that's going to be Utah <laughs> in the background yeah. all year as the SEC teams in the East with the, the two-loss Florida, the one-loss Georgia, the one-loss LSU. And we're going to have to have that debate. Is Michigan worthy? Is Oklahoma worthy undefeated? Or is it a two-loss team in the SEC? Or here's Utah. Here we are. We're undefeated <laughs> over here. We're undefeated. Pac-12's terrible. And by the way, you better get out of here with that Florida nonsense. I got a nice bet going with Alex Brown. You better you better get out of here with that Florida nonsense. I like Florida, especially tomorrow. That's fine. You can like him. You can like him tomorrow. And you can like him against UT Martin. And you can like him against Kentucky. But get out of here with that nonsense that they're going to be in the mix. I think that number of eight and a half for wins for the season, I like the over on that for the Florida Gators. Are you saying they're going to beat us at the cocktail party on November 2nd? I'm saying whoever wins that game wins that side of the division. Fair. Fair. Of the conference. Let's go. I think that's that's what's going to happen in the SECs. That's fair. Whoever wins that game wins and gets to play Alabama in the championship game. Okay. That's fair. I'm not, I, I'm not going to debate you on that. I, I just think that Georgia is one of the top four teams in the country. Yeah. And Fromm will be like third or fourth in the Heisman. He'll be there. He won't win it. But I just think that the offense will elevate itself under Kirby. Jonathan uh, Hood, Chris Black, yes. Adam Abdallah, we host Chicago's College Tailgate. It kicks off next Saturday at noon. Uh, every Saturday throughout the fall during the college football season. Since you brought up Georgia and you are a huge Georgia fan, what do you make of Jake Fromm and his ability in victories to be really good? But when Georgia lost last season, his numbers dropped big time. Uh, What, as a Georgia fan, do you see from Jake Fromm? Because I think he is very steady, and he is a quarterback that I would trust if he was the quarterback of my favorite college football team. Well, uh, here's the thing about, about Georgia, as you well know, is that from was thrown was thrown in there as a young quarterback but had a great running game 
it's running back you. So when you look at the running game for Georgia, that is the thing that's going to help Fromm out. But here's where Fromm gets hurt. When the running game is not as fluent and you you want Fromm to beat you, that's that was the problem in the past. I see that changing this upcoming season. I see that I think Fromm will mature and he can get down the field to connect to his receivers. But keep in mind, he's always had that that ledge, right? He's always had that that uh, running game right next to him that if he, he can't get it down the field, he's got a, a very, very good running game. I think he'll be able to have a mixture of offense, getting it down the field and being able to connect. Uh, in victories last season for Georgia, Jake Fromm was 69% uh, completing his passes in the losses that they had, 54%. So a big drop for him in, yeah. in that situation. And I, I agree with you. And, you know, that Georgia-Florida game is going to be huge. Um, and it, it, I just can't wait. And the one thing that I think is funny uh, about all this conversation as we head towards week zero that starts tomorrow mm-hmm. Um everyone keeps saying don't sleep on LSU. LSU is the sixth ranked team in the country. Who's sleeping on LSU? They're going to be really good. Haven't you seen that? People yeah, say, hey, uh, don't forget about LSU. They're sixth in the country. They're ranked sixth. <laughs> it's not like there's that, that much far of a climb for them to get there, to be there in the end. Just win your games. There's certain parts of this country is desirous for LSU to do well. And I just well, think that and it's, I think, it's the anti-Bama thing. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That that drum bangs loudly in Louisiana more so than even in Georgia. <laughs> what do you think about it? When you look at the whole SEC landscape, it's LSU fans. They want to be recognized. So I get it. Do I have to tease the Northwestern conversation to later, or do you want to do it now since we've completely uh, messed up the clock here? Let's do it at 9.05. Oh, Tales from the Hood, coming up next. What? Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Chris Black and Jonathan Hood under the hood here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Each and every night at 830, Jonathan brings you Tales from the Hood. What do you got This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Tales from the Hood is brought to you by the fine folks at Northwestern Football, Chicago's Big Ten team. Don't miss your chance to watch Big Ten football at Ryan Field as the 25th ranked Northwestern Wildcats led by Big Ten Coach of the Year Pat Fitzgerald hosts Ohio State, Iowa, and more. Tickets on sale now at nusports.com. It is Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between, like this one. From Middletown, New Jersey, two women who allegedly stole a baby stroller Hmm. and left a child behind have been arrested in New Jersey. A group of three women and children entered a baby store in Middletown. Uh, Authorities say one of the women went to the front of the store to grab the stroller, while the other two distracted an employee. One of the women then returned after realizing one of the children was left behind. Two of the three women have been arrested and face shoplifting and conspiracy charges. Both are from England and in their early 20s. Wow. <laughs> well, at least they returned for the kid. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But just the idea like you're stealing a, a stroller. See, I would have thought that a part of the ruse would have been using the kids to be in the stroller like they were there all along. 
and then you just wheel it out. Like, this is how it is. You know how people do that. They they go in somewhere, they take something, and they act like it's just theirs. And then they walk out thinking that no one will notice. I noticed that in Wichita, Kansas. I noticed that when I was at a family reunion, my wife's side, of course, um, from Wichita, Kansas. A lot of petty crime in that Walmart. (laughs) And I was like, you just can't walk out with those jar Rolos, sir. What are you doing? You just can't just walk out of it like it's yours. Have you seen this one? Did he did he take the Rolos out of the packaging? <laughs> no, I don't think he did. Because no. I have witnessed this. Um, not a close friend, but a, a friend from the past. Uh, I would witness this person going into stores and taking things out of the packages, putting it into their pocket, and then closing the package and putting the package back on the shelf. I've seen that. Thus taking the product with them when they leave. It was the weirdest thing. I And when the person was doing so, I was like, hold up. I, I don't want to be a part of that. Wait, right. I, I, I'm not. Wait, what are you doing? And then you get to the parking lot. And they're like, oh, well, I, I, I just put it back. I'm like, but you didn't put it back. You took what was in the box. It's in your pocket now. Right. What's wrong with you? Petty theft, man. People are not thinking. People Crazy. are not thinking. I mean, we whiz. I mean, there's three people that just kind of whiz by us as we come in and like, Wait, there's, like, there's a lot of theft here, here in uh, beautiful Wichita, with no trees. So the baby stroller, uh, they they steal the stroller, leave the kid, come back for the kid, get arrested. Yep. All right, good story. Yep. All right, uh, tales from the hood. Here, uh, did you see this from early, earlier in the week, Jonathan? Um, the Consumer Reports in the Department of Energy put out a tweet on how you should set your thermometer throughout the year. Yes. Okay, so the question was, how cool do you keep your house? It's the summer, and a lot of us use air conditioning, right? Correct. And you use air conditioning when you're home, when you're there. Uh, When you're away at at work, do you change it? And then also when you're sleeping. Here's what Consumer Reports in the Department of Energy suggest you keep the temperature in your house for these different situations. Listen to this. For when you're at home, they suggest... That you keep your temperature at 78 degrees. Holy cow. That's right, Grandma. What? 78 degrees. How about this? When you're at work or away, keep it at 85. (laughs) What? Here's the thing about this. You can clearly know a trick when it's happening to you, right? The old shell game. Yeah, right. Yeah, raise the temperatures. That way we can raise the prices. There's no way that that's happening. I mean, you can be 100 years old and you know that's too hot. You ever go to an old person's house and it's a little bit, it's a little bit too hot? It's probably because they read consumer reports like that. Here's the worst one because uh, the way uh, my wife is, if it's not a ice box in our bedroom, uh, she uh, is not happy. And they suggest when you're sleeping, you should set the temperature at 82 degrees. Hot bedroom. What? <laughs> Not getting anything done in that. Just sweating. That's miserable. You got That's the worst. You can't even have a comforter. No. Uh, hot couple summer. Yeah, right. Hashtag, hashtag hot couple hey, what, summer. What is that? 78, 85, 82. Okay, so Jonathan, uh, what do you usually set your thermometer to during the day when you're there? Because our, our sweet zone is we, we set it at 72. 
Um, well, if it's the summertime now, it's going to be at like 68. Okay, 68. You know, cool. That's yeah. fine. I'm fine with that. Yeah. In the wintertime, it doesn't get any lower than 73, 74. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the most, 73, 74. See, we're kind of weird. During the winter months, we live in a, an apartment. Yep. Uh, we actually almost never turn the heat on at all. So, That's like, we, we make up for all the money we spend on air conditioning in the summer during the winter because we just don't turn the heat on. <laughs> Unless we have to, like, below, like, 10. Yeah. You, you have to. But um, how about when you're sleeping? What do you guys set it at? Because we set it at, like, 70. When we sleep, yeah, that's fa- yeah, that's nothing wrong with that. Eighty-two, that's what eighty-two. No, Eighty- absolutely not. Eighty-two, that's torture. I mean, again, if you're an old person, it's perfect, right? <laughs> but I mean, for a young, well, that's an old person that's also sitting in a chair wearing a sweater with a with a uh, a blanket <laughs> over them in the summer. <laughs> in the summer, yeah. <laughs> you go into the house. Ooh, it's a furnace in here. I don't know why you say that. It's a little it's really, chilly. It's really chilly. It's a little chilly. Um, Grandma, it's ninety five outside. Well, I mean, it's a furnace yeah, but, in here. But do you feel that breeze? <laughs> it's like no, no, because that cold the, breeze. No, because the windows are shut. What That's not a breeze. About? That's me breathing because I, I'm panting because it's so hot in here. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's nothing like the old person with the hot. I mean, they're going to read that and say, you know what? You know what? It's right. It's absolutely right. <laughs> I mean, if we if we were on old school WGN, they would say thumbs up to all of this. Oh, this was actually the lead story Monday morning on WGN. <laughs> they're, they're still breaking it down over there on, on what they're doing. Come on now. Be, be sensitive now. Working with Davis. He still has some ties. Sorry, Davis. <laughs> yeah, Davis had had to, he had a, a big adjustment working here because he was producing for the dead for many years over there. Just he was just, <laughs> been taking calls from the dead. People ninety five years old looking for Wally Phillips. Did you see the report <laughs> that I should keep my house at eighty two degrees? <laughs> Be careful now. He's, a, he's you know he worked over there now, so he still has ties. Be I'm careful. sorry, Sean. Yeah, he's more of an ESPN guy now, but it took some time. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't used to anybody you know under the age of eighty. Yeah, that called the show. So that's the thing. <laughs> California cops say that a case of creative car repair left them flat once they determined the man was no MacGyver-like mechanic, but actually a drug-fueled novice trying to implement a half-baked fix. Yes, a California man was arrested after attempting to fix flats using gauze and band-aids. Hmm. That guy was on drugs. He said, <laughs> if I have to fix a flat, I'm going to do it with gauze pads and band-aids. That's not how you fix a flat, sir. Like, I would rather use gum. Like, you got some chewing gum to stick in that hole Could to figure this out? Put some Pardon t- expression. tape over that? Pardon the expression. Putting the, get the gum in the hole. That's nasty. I don't know what you guys are doing over there with your 78 degrees in your apartment, but that's nasty. I'll just tell you that right now. That's an aphrodisiac I'm not used to, but I appreciate your thoughts. And that's Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000 at the ESPN app. Jim Harbaugh says in his new book that there are cheaters in college football, and that's why his team hasn't been successful. We talk about it next. Chris Black and Jonathan Hood, Under the Hood, right here on ESPN 1000. Coming to hole. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app.
Chris Black and Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Thank you to Sean Davis for producing tonight's show. Thanks to Chris Felica, the bear from ESPN's College Game Day. The first episode is tomorrow, week zero. They're live from Disney World down in Florida before the Canes and the Gators uh, kick off the college football season tomorrow night. Chris Felica joined the show. If you want to hear that interview, check out the podcast page at ESPNChicago.com and at the ESPN app. Did you see this story about Jim Harbaugh and this new book that's coming out it's called overtime jim harbaugh and the michigan wolverines at the crossroads of college football it's by john bacon yes you see the story that came out uh he references in the book that it's hard to beat the cheaters in college football to get to where you need to go and i want to ask you jonathan is he specifically talking about the sec or who is he talking about when he's saying that there's cheaters in college football and thus that's why we have not had the same success at Michigan that I would have liked to have? He was talking about the SEC. Clearly he's talking about the SEC because he's talking about the top dog in college football. So clearly he was aiming that at Alabama and Florida and all those programs because uh, here's the thing about Jim Harbaugh. He can't tell me that he's running a squeaky clean program because I don't know who really is. It's college athletics. You just never know. You might be breaking a rule and may not know it. Point is, though, is that Harbaugh has got a he's got a big bullseye on his back. He just wants to be that heel. And here's the thing. You can be that guy, but you need to win the big games in order to be able to have that black hat on. I'm confused, though. If it's the SEC, uh, Notre Dame's a heck of an SEC team, huh? As Notre Dame beat Michigan last season 24-17. to uh, Ohio State, who they've lost to now four consecutive years under Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. Uh, and last season, embarrassing fashion, 62-39. to SEC school, right? The Buckeyes, SEC school. I mean, I, I do see the Florida loss in the Peach Bowl, sure, uh, which was also embarrassing. But come on, and I know the book was written before, like right now. It's coming out now, so the quotes are coming out. But listen, I don't think the problem is the SEC and the cheating that's going on in the SEC. How about you win the Big Ten? How about that? Remember where we set up those satellite camps a few years ago, below the Mason Dixon line. Yeah, there's a reason. Uh, this hour of Under the Hoods brought to you by Enzo Custom. Check out their open house this Thursday from 4.30 to 6.30. Tell them Tom Waddle sent you and get $50 off. Chris Buck and Jonathan Hood, when can we hear you next, Jonathan? You will hear me sipping on some Crown Royal for the next week because I'll be on vacation. But I can hear you on, on uh, and me and Abdallah for Chicago's College Tailgate on the 31st of August. Yeah, 12 o'clock straight up on the 31st as we kick off the first weekend of college football. I'll be back with Abdallah on Sunday morning, 8 to 10 a.m., right here on ESPN 1000. So long, everybody. Oh,